I will often watch celebrity interviews on talk shows because I think they're really interesting because like, you know, you see them on TV and in film and whatever, and you don't really get to hear them talk a whole lot except for these press junkets. So like I will watch them. And I, there's two that I always keep coming back to one. I just saw today and I reposted it to my Instagram uh, story is Seth Rogen talking about, um, he says, not everyone is going to make it, but if you don't try, you're definitely not going to make it. If you do try, you have a chance at making it. And even though that is like specific to the entertainment industry, it's kind of true for everything. You know, like if you're in a position where you need to fight for something, fight for it. Because if you don't, you know, you're not going to win. And even if you don't win by fighting for it, at least you did, you know? Um, And the other one is Jamie Lee Curtis. And hers is that she when she turned 60, she realized that she had all of this creativity inside of her left. And how sad would it be if she passed having not gotten that out? And again, kind of specific to the entertainment industry and people who are creative and creators, but it's the same thing. If there are things that you want to do with your life, do them at any cost, because like all of this could go away in a minute. And, you know, we've seen that. Like, it very well could have been lights out for the both of us. So, like, if there's stuff you want to do, then, like, who cares? Bills will get paid. Fine, whatever. But, like, if you have an opportunity or you create an opportunity or pursue an opportunity to do something you've always wanted to do, whatever that may be, just go fucking do it. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Good morning again. Today it's time for us to get fired up, get some motivation, let's get some inspiration, something that can help us get through whatever we're going through today and make life a little easier. Because we know once we get through it, we don't like it when we're going through it, right? But once we get through it, we've survived, and now it's time for us to pay it forward to the next person ahead of us in line. Today, our guest has gone through a rare cancer. You know, we heard people go through cancer. I had a little cancer scare uh, years ago, about six <coughs> years ago. And so we're going to talk about this rare cancer. What he did to overcome it? And we'll talk about his book that he came up with after this. So welcome to the show. Whoa, there we go. We want a bigger picture of you there. Edward Miskey. Come on in, buddy. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing it, doing it and doing it all day long. Glad to hear it. I love that we somehow have managed to like match your background with your shirt with my shirt. <laughs> somehow hey, we are yeah, fully we coordinated. <laughs> yeah, wearing that blue, that blue. I like that blue. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the this is the color of my old bedroom when I grew up. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I bought my house. It's been thirty years ago now, and uh, they painted it some light blue with white on top and. I remember when I went to go buy curtains and everything at the store, and I told her, hey, just bought my first house. I had it built and everything. And I said, 
bought my first house and she says, Oh, you're going to need curtains for the spring and curtains for the winter and <laughs> curtains for the, and I said, Oh, hold it. Stop. How, right how about just curtains? Hang on. Yeah, I, said, oh, no. I said, I guarantee you, you buy, uh, I'll buy curtains today. You come in 30 years from now, it's going to be the same curtain, same curtains. And I know I, I hear said, you. I said, I'm not painting the house unless it just absolutely has to. I said, it's going to look exactly like when I first bit. Now, it looked dull and, you know, used, but <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I don't I don't need a curtain for every day of the year. And, no, I have the same uh, curtains I've always had. They're just in different windows with different apartments. Of course, this is, this is a, uh, a, uh, a lady at the store that was pushing me for that. And I said, nah, I think we just <laughs> like, do excuse this. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you, do you work on commission? <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I'm sure at Wally World, not. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. She was just exci- excited and probably bored. There you go. And we'll probably got excited because, hey, up and someone with a new house. All right. So, right. Something right. someone working at Walmart will never be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my dog, I got a service dog and he's 15 years old now. He's getting on Aww. the later late. But when I first got him, yeah, he, if I dropped my keys, he'd pick them up for me and my shirt, he'd pick them up. He could pull the door open, close the door. I mean, he was awesome. Oh, he's still awesome, but he can't do all this stuff being so old now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but his, uh, his, uh, he, he actually at Walmart was his favorite walk-in establishment. Aww. We can, when it's raining, we can stay dry. When it's hot, we can stay cool. When it's cold, we can be warm. And boy, he got over and then people just fell in love with him. They even made a tag, Walmart tag with his name on it. So, oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> they, I love that. They were what's, great. What's the dog's name? Ricardo. Ricardo. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Ricardo. He's he's been a great one. Uh, before we get started, I'm gonna tell you how I how I knew he was the dog for me. I went to Orlando for Canine Companions for Independence. Anybody need in search of a service dog that's in a wheelchair or other disease, something that's holding you back, go to Canine Companions for Independence. Their process is lengthy, but it's well worth it. Okay, so I went to Orlando to find the last phase to train with four or five dogs for one week. The last week while I'm down there, they gave you the dog they felt that you should be with to work with with the final week with them. So four or five dogs, six dogs I worked with this whole week, and one of them was my boy Ricardo. Now here's how I knew I wanted him. They were showing us one day how they let their dogs play together. They didn't let them just, and we, we were working with 19 dogs. There was 10 of us getting a dog and they were working with 19, but they had like 79 of them in the back. that are still being trained to get ready for the next group when we leave. Okay. So they said, so we don't just let them all run together, you know? So they let three or four of them out at a time out of their kennel and let them run for about four or five minutes and play. Then they put one out, bring one in. Then one of the three that's still there, you know, will go out and introduce new. Well, all of a sudden they got my boy Ricardo. He comes out, he's taken off. He bowled three of them over. I mean, he knocked them over. That's how excited he was to get out there and play. And they, 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 canine companions, this wasn't right. Said he was just a doggy. They put him in doggy timeout because he run the others over. And I said, that's that's my dog. Yeah. Is it not that I condone bullying in the playground? No, I don't. But that's but. the dog for me. <laughs> yeah. And I was fortunate because they choose who they feel is best for you. Mm-hmm. I had no choice. But it worked out. I got him. Oh, he's been a blessing. 
I love that. And may we all just like, you know, have the a, a shred or ounce of like joy and unbridled happiness that dogs have for just like a minute in our lives. They're just the best. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they get up all day long wagging their tail and I mean, you know when they're they're ill and sick because they don't wag that tail and stuff. But the other than that, but another short story. One dude said he knows his dog loves him more than his wife loves him. And <laughs> he says, let me give you an example. He says, I take my dog. If I put him in the trunk of the car and shut the trunk and come back an hour later, said he's wagging his tail, jumping up, kissing all over me. He said, if I put my wife in there for an hour. <laughs> Maybe not the best comparison, but <laughs> so, <laughs> the all right, Evan, okay, let's get started. My the, the people's heard my story, so <laughs> let's get on with you. Okay, a rare cancer, and uh, you're celebrating your tenth year cancer survivorship. So yeah, congratulations, yeah, past, ten years. We're past ten years now. We're almost at eleven, actually. Oh, we're at eleven. Enough. All right, Oof. awesome. So, Oof. that's awesome. Glad to hear it. So, yeah, you. you know, you know, as well as I do, like I said, I had a little cancer scare years ago and, uh, my unfortunate being, um, one of those false negatives or whatever you call it, mm-hmm. uh, false positives, I guess. And, um, yeah, so, but still when we hear that C word, the first thing that comes to people's mind is my life is over. You know, we, we just go straight to death thinking it. Oh Yeah. So all right, I, think, uh, I think that's human nature too. I mean, like when I was, when I was diagnosed, I was only 25 um, and I just turned 25. I had only, I think it was like a month after my birthday or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, it was such a weird place to be in because yes, like your brain does do that. And you're like, well, this is the end. But then there was still a part of me that was like, now nah, I got this. We're good. And it was very hard kind of balancing that tightrope of that intersectionality between like, I'm fucked and I'm going to be great. So, yeah. you know, it's, it was, it was a weird moment and I can't, I'd be lying if I said that the throughout the whole period of treatment and, and whatnot, I didn't have moments where I was like, well, this is the end mm-hmm. and I should say goodbye to people now. <laughs> Especially sometimes that treatment's worse than the cancer itself. Oh yeah, that, uh, that you have to try to beat again. Mine was a was a false positive, so I didn't have to do any treatments or anything. Yeah, uh, for you. But I did witness my mother uh, went through a lung cancer and had to remove part of her lung and had to do the radiation and chemo and everything. And now she's been around twenty plus years after that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't go through. But uh, yeah, sometimes that treatment you you may want death to come. Well, there's that, but I mean, I kind of always push back on that a little and say that actually surviving is a lot harder than treatment itself. And I only really say that because, you know, treatment at least, you know, that's, to me, that was the easy part. You know, like, yes, mm-hmm. I had I had chemo and I had blood transfusions and I had medication that I had to take and steroids and, and injectables and prophylaxis and radiation and a stem cell transplant and the whole nine. And it was just like okay. the craziest like, you know, yeah, it, like, ruined my body and, like, all of that and, you know, screwed with my head a little bit, but, like, well, a lot bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, once it was all over and all of that structure went away and it was like, congratulations, you're cancer-free, you get to go live life now. And it was like, I, what? <laughs> what? What does that mean now? There was, well, right, yeah. because, and I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that you can relate to this in some ways. And I think anyone who's gone through anything serious can kind of 
relate to this in any kind of way is that like you change when something like that happens once you're through it and it's over not only is the person that you were before completely gone like that it's just like you're that person's I, I talk about multiple deaths a lot and that's kind of what i refer to it as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that person's long gone and you are standing on like solid ground now being like wait but what do i do because you don't have doctors and nurses and family and friends like telling you where to go and what to do and what not to eat and what to eat and what you know all the all the rules that you have to follow all that goes away and you're like wait a minute yeah now now what <laughs> yeah how, how do i go back to the way it was yeah it's like I, a it's I'm, like a full identity crisis like multiple times over <laughs> I'm, I'm all for this uh stem cells uh, stuff that they're yeah. using going through uh, again i'm a spinal cord injury and i believe that's going to be a big help in the spinal cord injury people yeah. and i think uh i mean they're they're using it now in other areas yeah i mean some of the i think i think it's going to be to i think it's going to be huge in the future oh, yeah. some and, of the things that they've been able to do with stem cells even in the last decade have been incredible i mean and even in regards to cancer specifically, like stem cells used to be the go-to thing and now it's not anymore. Like they've already moved past it. They still use it for things, mm-hmm. but there's like other treatments that they've now uh, developed that are a, like more advanced version of that kind of treatment. And mm-hmm. I remember when, uh, you know, things were, it's, they're very worst in the hospital. I was like, I, I hadn't had the stem cell transplant yet. I was really apprehensive about it because of how it was described to me and what the original protocol was. But I remember reading this story about a woman in Europe, I think Spain, who had uh, esophageal cancer and they had, or like trachea or something in your throat. Mm -hmm. And they built a synthetic trachea, let's say, Mm -hmm. and they like soaked it in stem cells. They treated her, they like predisposed her to stem cells and then they, they surgically put it in and her cells grew around this this frame. Exactly. And it was like, what in the world? And it I just remember reading that and being like, this is the future. Like, this will mm-hmm. solve everything. Like, let us all just bathe in stem cells. And there you go. There. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, Edward. So uh, you're 25, just turned 25. Now, how did you come about to learn this cancer? What's the name of this rare cancer? And go from there now. Okay, so the the actual diagnosis was a rare enlarged B-cell Burkitt's like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So there's a lot to, you know, unpack yeah. there. Um, <clears throat> but I found out that I had it because I couldn't not f- know that I had it. It started out as a tiny little lump under my left arm. And over the course of five months, it grew to be about the size of a grapefruit. So there was like no denying that it was there. We used to call it my third boob Uh Um, uh that it just like, I couldn't put my arm down all the way. I had to like adjust my shoulder around it and then it would like stick out the side. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point it was like decolored. It like changed colors. It was weird. It was like a disco ball. It was very strange. Um, But other than being there, was it uh, painful? No, I had no other, I had no other symptoms at all. I had no way to position. Yeah. I couldn't put my arm up all the way because it was pulling on things. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So for me to like raise my arm above a certain point, I couldn't do it. But aside of that, like my, my GP, when I went to him to be like, Hey, what, what's going on with this? And he's like, well, I think it might be X, Y, and Z, but like, are you, do you feel okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. He's like, you look great. What? I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I really didn't have any other symptoms I was aware of other than this giant mass that had formed under my arm and it had spread over to my clavicle. 
um, at, in a very small way. And then we, we found out later down the road, months after we had started treatment, that it actually could have been on my uh, spleen because okay. it had it had shrunk and no one told us that you know that was just like a, a scan that we had later that they were like huh interesting uh so yeah it was like life was normal i was going to the gym i was working i was doing all the things and i just like one day was like i need this biopsy and that was kind of the the train had left the station <laughs> yeah all right. Hey, before we go any further here, now, not to mention just Edward Miskey is a rare cancer survivor working on his 11th year, but author Miskey. There I she is. <laughs> there you go. Called Cancer, Musical Theater, and Other Chronic Illnesses. The 10-Year Cancer Survivor Anniversary Edition. You can go find it at... Um, Amazon and all of the play Walmart. Uh, there you go. I remember yeah. that. And your uh, that was that was a surprise to me. I didn't know it was going to be there. <laughs> yeah, Barnes so, and Noble is the one that really hits me though. It's in Barnes and Noble, and that makes me feel so good because I used to hang out at Barnes and Noble in the city when I was younger and had no money, and I would just sit there and get like a, a two dollar coffee with my laptop and sit and people watch and and write all day long. Mine, uh, uh, one of my first book is <sighs> it's on the. Barnes and Noble, uh, not necessarily in the store now because it's so old, but go to the website, you can still find it. So that's another, I love yeah, that. So that's all I, I, I love their uh, going in there, like you said, get it to get old cup of joe and sit there and uh, browse yeah. and read. And they're having, they're having like a comeback, like they've recently opened new stores. Like, what? <laughs> there you go. I love that. So, all right, so uh, let's uh, get back into it. Um, so everybody else, hey, go get you a copy of. Of the book here, and I'll I'll get a link to it later, and uh, put it in the bottom of the show notes for people to make it easier to find. So, all right, go ahead, Edward. What do you What do you want me to do? Oh, well, <laughs> let's uh, talk about the treatments. We got the the main lump and everything, and you gave us a nice uh, disease name with Hodgkin. I got that part at the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch all the other, but uh, um, well, I mean, so what kind of treatment? Quite a title. And, how long the treatments and sure so, how often how frequency how yeah yeah so front to back like first chemo to cancer free was only ten months uh, it felt like a hell of a lot longer mm-hmm. let's just say that oh, I, yeah I, yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember again I remember my mom and, <clears throat> yeah, yeah it just dragged on for fucking ever but um I did I was supposed to have I think six or eight rounds of chemo I only ended up doing four. Because it wasn't working. Every time mm-hmm. we would do it, it would shrink down and then it would grow back once we were done. And that chemo was overnight. I would be in the hospital for like a week at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, my first day there, I think, was 10 or 10 or 11 days. Um, just because like they wanted to monitor everything. It was the first time I was being exposed to it. And they wanted to make sure that my body responded mm-hmm. correctly to it. And so I was like, you know, shacked up in the Upper East Side in this hospital for two days. Um, But, you know, once we were done and we decided that that wasn't working, I also had put a stop to my um, intrathecal chemo. So, like, they went into my spine through my spinal column and were taking out spinal fluid and uh, replacing it with chemotherapy, which was a horrifying experience because no one ever didn't miss my spinal cord. So like I had nerves shooting off in my legs and all kinds of things. It was awful. Um, But we put a stop to that after like, I think number six, 
where it was like, okay, well, all of these scans are coming back negative, so I think it's pretty safe to say that it's not going to end up there, so can we just stop doing it? Because they started to build up scar tissue in my spinal column, and mm-hmm. it got harder and harder and harder for them to go in. And so the, the harder it got to go in, the more painful it was to go in. Yeah. Um, it was a mess. So that was uh that was that and then we kind of decided on doing a protocol of 30 days of radiation so it was five days a week just one appointment every day for five days for a month and i actually kind of liked radiation because i didn't you know it didn't make me sick it didn't make me tired um i could still function as a person um you know my hair started to grow back a little bit my beard started to come in a little bit more and I was able to like go out in the world a little bit and I, in a weird sick and twisted way, kind of liked radiation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it like fried my skin and turned it black, you know, it was, it was gross. And that, that kind of tether, um, you know, some, some, uh, leeway on the leash got me in a little bit of trouble. Cause I, you know, I was like, well, I feel better now. And like radiation is, going great and it's almost over and so when it was over i decided to go to florida to see my little sister and while i was there i was like i'm gonna go swimming in the ocean and like when you have zero immune system that is a <laughs> real, that's a real shit house idea yeah i, I can see the that. yeah yeah <laughs> i can see that not being a uh, a good approach at the moment no definitely not so i ended up getting a parasite <laughs> mm. almost died from that i lost like 15 pounds in four days well you know can i can i have that again really quick just just real quick one more time um but you know it was just this really long road before i had to make a big decision the hospital that i was originally at wanted me to do a stem cell transplant where someone else was my donor and that scared the shit out of me and i yeah. didn't feel good about it and th- there was just so many times where i was like why do i have to have someone else be my donor i'm perfectly capable i'm like i was 25 again like i was in the best shape of my life I was otherwise completely and perfectly healthy. There was no reason why I shouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to be my own donor. And yet they kept pushing this and pushing this and pushing this. And I just got to the point where I was so uncomfortable with how aggressively they were pushing it that I just told them, no, I was like, I don't, yeah. I'm going to another hospital. I'm getting a, a second opinion. I don't trust you right now. Like the way that you're pushing this is making me yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got my files and all of my, um, biologics or whatever you want to call them and went off to a different hospital (laughs) and Mm -hmm. got a second opinion and they're like they misdiagnosed you and this is what we're going to do moving forward and you know it just was it was a mess so that's that hospital is where i ended up doing the stem cell transplant i'm I'm super glad i did because their protocol was much more favorable and they let me be my own donor we we got just enough like by the skin of my teeth got enough stem cells to be able to do that yeah um but you know you sit on a dialysis machine for five days in a row with like these you know pencil sized needles in your arm like sucking blood out (laughs) yeah centrifuging it around it was it was a really crazy time but you know the 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 previous hospital wanted me to do the stem cell transplant and then full three rounds of full body radiation so 90 days of full body radiation i'd look like a seal right now i'd have absolutely no hair like even the place where i had radiation the hair still has not grown back and we're talking over a decade now um and that was just one round so if we would have done three like i'd look like a yeah 
Mm. Um, I mean, what scares me is when they they had the uh, misdiagnosis. That yeah, just it wasn't it wasn't so bad that they were like, well, this ruined everything. But it yeah. was it was bad enough that my doctor, who knew the other doctor, was like, shame on her. She should know better. And yeah. like didn't even look at a microscope. She just took my took my like my slide that had the cells on it and she like held it up to the light and was like, that's not what that is. And she was like, it's actually this. And it was like, holy shit. Wow. <laughs> like, no microscope, wow. just uh, just you know, raw dogging it with yeah, the eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so, glad you uh, found one that good then. I mean, oh, yeah, overall, she's, she's overall, top, you know. Top tier. She's one of the go-to people for lymphoma in the world. Like she is incredible. And yeah. uh, I was very fortunate to be able to be on her on her docket, if you will. There you go. But she did yell at me for the parasite. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Please stop. Come on, man. (laughs) Come on, man. You got to help us help you. I know. I loved her, but I was terrified of her. (laughs) Every time she came into my room or I had an appointment with her, I was like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to look at you. I feel like you're going to choke me out and kill me or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But we ended up being cool. That's a lot of respect for your doctor, though, when you go, oh, I know they're going to beat me out this time. Oh, I mean, (laughs) and she was like five foot two. Oh, she was yeah. the, the tiniest little woman you've ever seen and just like was in mini skirts and blouses and six inch heels all day long. <laughs> and I it was like, I just had this admiration for her, but also terrified of her because of how, um, I mean, I not, I don't want to say good at her job, but just like the way that she would be so direct with me in such a sensitive time, mm-hmm. um, you know, ended up being helpful. But in, in the moment it was like, Ooh, I didn't want to go see her. <laughs> All right, so now with the second hospital on Doctor, how long was this procedure that you went through? So, <laughs> of course, because, again, adding the parasite didn't help. Right, matters. well, that's what, that's what I was going to say. Again, I got, a little more extended. Yeah, I had a number of complications that I mostly brought on myself that prolonged it. It would have been that I would have gone into my transplant, I think, in April or May. And I would have been done by May or June. And what ended up happening because of the complications that I did have is that I did not actually have my transplant until July. And so I was out pretty quickly. I was only in there for 21 days, which is very short. And, uh, and then I um, went home and I had a hundred day period where they were like, you might not live the next hundred days, but this is going to be what we determine whether or not you still have cancer in your body. And if you do, fuck if you don't great you're good yeah <clears throat> so that's fun to deal it's with a coin toss at the moment so yeah so all right so when that's all over with the 100 days come they find out that uh, you're as good to go uh from there uh i know my mom she had to go do periodic uh testing afterwards you know to make sure everything was still uh uh free cancer free from it so from there um all right so then the total from the beginning to end 11 almost 11 years later and a question i gotta ask right now we're seeing the happy-go-lucky edward you know laughing making jokes and having a good old time and i know like i said going through the process is not fun we may not be having a good old time but before all this took place were you the happy-go-lucky or did you learn to be a different person because life is short and what happens, you know, what could happen. I mean, I think 
I wouldn't say I I don't think I'm very much like the person I was before. Not that mm-hmm. I wasn't like upbeat or resilient or anything like that, but it was more so that I was just like a scared, insecure asshole. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I I like even though I was terribly insecure, I still treated people like I was king of the world, you know, and mm-hmm. I know that. And I knew it in the moment, but I didn't care because I was like, well, you know, it's me, so it's fine. And so, yeah, like, yeah. in a lot of ways, I'm glad that that one's dead. Um, <clears throat> you know, so I think I think a lot of what I got out of that is that really nothing is as bad as it seems, I guess, is because, like, you know, if it's not that, we're good. You know, like, yeah. we, ha- we, had, we started the process of planning my own funeral. So, like, as long as I'm not doing that and that's not the conversation, yeah, yeah. Like, fine whatever it's all good everything's gonna work out um and that's not to say that i don't have my highs or lows and i don't let things bother me because i certainly do um but that really changed that was a huge pivotal moment in my whole life and you know like controversially to say that i often will talk about how cancer is the best thing that's ever happened to me Mm -hmm. and it's because one that idiot asshole shit for brains kid is no longer uh-huh. um but also i wouldn't be sitting here right now with a book and and all the other things that have gone on around it had that not happened and honestly i wouldn't trade this for anything i love this this is like exciting for me yeah you're, you're not the first one that would go through like uh again i got my neck broke playing football and not that i'd want it for anybody to be paralyzed and everything said so, but fortunately, I mean, like you said, I've done a lot more than I thought I'd do in life. Uh, been to different countries. Again, me writing a book, <laughs> that's crazy. And uh, yeah, I've, I, the only thing that I regret and I had no control over it is my family having to go through it with me. You know, they're there with my ups and my downs. And at the very beginning, there's a lot of downs until you figure things out. And so, yeah, that's the other and that. Yeah, but you, I, I mean, but you I need them there. Stay. That's what they're oh, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah like, exactly. That's, I mean, not that's what they're for total, period, the end. But like, you know, my family was there too. And we had really, really hard lows and really good moments. And I think one of the things that I often impress upon people who uh, are in the moment of facing something serious is that try to intentionally and purposefully create good memories. We would have parties in my room. I would throw parties at my apartment. We'd go out and do dumb shit in the city Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. like I wanted in the back of my head, it was like, well, if I don't make it, this will be a great moment for everyone to look back at. And if Mm -hmm. I do, then we can look back at it and laugh at it together. Together. Exactly. Funny moment yeah, funny moment when I was in the hospital, it, uh, I was on a striker frame, and I'd lay two hours on my back, and then they turned the whole bed around, and then I lay an hour on my stomach, so I wouldn't get pressure sores. So every one in two hours, I'm turning for two weeks. And my grandmother was a nurse, and she came in one day. I mean, it was early on, uh, probably two or three days into <laughs> the uh, turning on the striker frame. And she asked the nurse on floor, Now she wouldn't nurse it to this hospital. She was a nurse in another hospital, mm-hmm. but asked the nurse about a ladder and they go and bring her a ladder in. And my grandmother is taking uh, Victoria's secret pictures out of the catalog and taping, no. them, to, <laughs> taping them to the ceiling. <laughs> that way when I'm looking up, cause I couldn't watch TV that I had something to look at. Oh my so that's God. That's my grandmother. So 
That's my grandmother. So. Oh my God. You should find that model and write to her and be like, hey, so just so you know. <laughs> That's right. You got me through, yeah, through 1983. All of That's so funny. Oh so, my God. All right. Your so grandmother yeah, sounds yeah, like a star. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing is mine is that family had to go through it. But again, their family, they would they want to be there for you and yeah. everything. I mean, and, honestly, at I least mean, you, you had know, family there. There was, there was so many lows. Sometimes the lows were so bad, we hated each other. Uh, I mean, of then, course. Then, yeah, uh, definitely loved each other. Of course, but I mean, I, I, you hear stories all the time about people whose families weren't there for them. I had, oh, yes. I had friends yes. and boyfriends walk straight ass away from me during that period yes. of time. So, like, you know, the fact that your family was there at all is a blessing. You know, regardless of how you might feel about the highs and lows, the fact that they were present and willing to help you and put up Victoria's Secret models, like that's that's why that's what it's all about, man. You know, like that's <laughs> that part oh. is what matters. Oh yeah! Oh, you made me think of another thing. My grandmother back in the eighties, uh, we used to have a funny old thing. You know, we'd eat M and M's, peanut M and M's, my yep. favorite. And the old saying was just goofy saying. We'd say green M and M's made you horny. And so my grandmother would bring in a pound of M and M's, and she picked the green ones out to feed me. Oh my <laughs> god, she, she sounds like an absolute she, treasure. She was great. Yeah, she was great. All right, Edward Tay, we're cutting this down here, man. Let's uh, talk oh, a little man. bit more about your book and everything. How's that going? And tell people how more we could we could find it other than uh, Barnes Noble and Walmart and Amazon and, and, and right here on the screen. Right um, here on the screen. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you're in New York City, the book is at the Drama Bookshop on West 39th Street. It's the only in-person store that carries it right now. Uh, that I'm aware of there might be, I think there's a place in Kansas actually that does. So I could be wrong there, but um, as far as I know, this is, it's the only in-person store that carries it. So please uh, go, go there and give them money because they're a great organization and I absolutely love them. Um, but for future, the book is actually being adapted for television. Uh, awesome. We're going to be having a musical TV series that is going to be about this journey. And this is kind of the framework for it. Um, it's obviously on pause right now because of everything going on with the WGA and SAG after mm -hmm, strikes and, mm -hmm. and all the labor union strikes and whatnot. Uh, so we're working in solidarity with them, but we're, we are working on the back end to make sure everything is ready to go when it's cool to go. And uh, I'm, I'm really fucking excited. About that. I would be too. Yeah. To, to have uh, something going on with the, that uh, possibly me be involved in, uh, TV performance, uh, theater performances. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's great. it's like everything I love. So I I feel really good about it, and I'm as excited as hell, and I can't can't wait. And so you know, if anyone wants to follow that journey along, <laughs> well, I was going to just say now that um, as you're getting closer to completing the project, or or if you want to uh, every now and again, if you want to get together and just give a uh, update, uh, if you yeah, want to do that absolutely. for listeners, and I can just we can post little updates every now and again for them on the podcast to uh, help follow you somehow. And, uh, and especially when the projects, so we know how people can get it to get to see it. To get to oh yeah. It. When, when it's out there, I will be relentless. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, yes. will not, so, you will never get rid of me. Well, um, uh, please. Yes. We will, <laughs> this, this is exciting for me now. Yeah, no, so um, so that's going to be happening, and that, that can be kind of followed along lightly at the moment until further notice with the strikes and everything at Edward Miskey on all platforms. 
uh, it's the same everywhere. And um, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, all right, good deal. And I'll get the links and put it in the bottom of the uh, show notes again for people to click it. For the ones listening, he said, just find the at Edward Miskey, M I S K I E. And again, though, I tell you about the whole thing, do the old Google search. That'll get you uh, get you started anyway. We're very Googleable these days. <laughs> That's right. So. All right, Edward, thank you for being here. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we got thank to you. meet. I'm glad I got to meet the, uh, I don't want to say the new and improved you, but the, the better it's, you. It's the, it's the new and improved me. <laughs> there we go. Well, I'm glad to, I, I, if you don't have a podcast going, you need to get one going. I love your podcast voice. Thank so, you. Uh, I do actually. It's called I Want to Be a Rich Bitch, and I do it with my friend Sarah Seeds, who is a brilliant creator writer actor as well and uh we just it's it's fun it's fun we shoot the shit we talk about industry shit we talk about life stuff you know it's a lot of fun all right then so the name of it again is i want to be a rich bitch there we go all right we'll get that in the show notes as well so all right hey we appreciate it uh being here if you can do one more thing here we got we know the people are hurting and struggling and if you can leave us with a positive message that'd be awesome okay um So I, I will often, um, I will often watch celebrity interviews on talk shows because I think they're really interesting because like, you know, you see them on TV and in film and whatever, and you don't really get to hear them talk a whole lot except for at these press junkets. So like, I will watch them. And I, there's two that I always keep coming back to. One I just saw today and I reposted it to my Instagram, uh, story is Seth Rogen talking about, um, he says, not everyone is going to make it, but if you don't try, you're definitely not going to make it. If you do try, you have a chance at making it. And even though that is like specific to the entertainment industry, it's kind of true for everything. You know, like if you're in a position where you need to fight for something, fight for it. Because if you don't, you know, you're not going to win. Um, And even if you don't win by fighting for it, at least you did, you know? Um, And the other one is Jamie Lee Curtis. And hers is that she, when she turned 60, she realized that she had all of this creativity inside of her left. And how sad would it be if she passed having not gotten that out? And again, kind of specific to the entertainment industry and people who are creative and creators, but it's the same thing. If there are things that you want to do with your life, do them at any cost because like all of this could go away in a minute. And, you know, we've seen that like it very well could have been lights out for the both of us. So like, if there's stuff you want to do, then like, who cares? Bills will get paid. Fine, whatever. But like, if you have an opportunity or you create an opportunity or pursue an opportunity to do something you've always wanted to do, whatever that may be, just go fucking do it. Amen, brother. (laughs) We're talking to cancer survivor, author of cancer, musical theater, and other chronicle illness. The 10 year cancer survivorship anniversary edition. Get you a copy. Be sure to go to the uh, his podcast as well, Edward's podcast. Edward, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. I'm glad we got to meet and everything. Keep us in touch again with this uh, uh, TV performance stuff. It's uh, going to be moving forward and uh, we'll, we'll get it going as well and uh, push it for you. So we'll do. 
Thank you Appreciate for having continue. me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank and you. everyone else, hey, share us out to someone you know can use a good laugh during a difficult time here and help you out. Remember, uh, Edward, uh, they say all this stuff on the Internet is going to be there forever. So 100 years from now, someone's going to find this and you're going to help them, man. Here's hoping. <laughs> uh, there we go. All right, everybody else. Uh, I'm Dr. James Purdue, the professor of perseverance himself. Thank you for being here. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.